When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know Book Riot has over 25 newsletters covering every genre, including romance, as well as book news and deals? You can sign up for book deals to get notified about the best book sales of the day, handpicked by our editorial staff. There's Today in Books, our daily newsletter summing up the most interesting headlines from the book world every day. And don't forget, Kissing Books, which covers everything new and interesting in the world of romance. We've also got newsletters for horror readers, YA lovers, mystery and thriller aficionados, and more. Just go to bookriot.com newsletters to sign up for the newsletters that are the most interesting to you. That's bookriot.com newsletters. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about romance novels and things associated with them for as long as we want. Well, as long as we should. How about that? We are recording on Thursday, January 7th, 2021. I've been really good at um, making sure I say the one. And hey, I'm Jess. And I'm Trisha. And it is 2021, Jess. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I mean, kind (laughs) of. Yeah. Yeah. In a shocking turn of events, uh, everything did not just immediately completely change over in 2021 to be very, very different. No. I mean, yeah, we all thought that, you know, midnight on the first of the year was just going to magically change everything. That's not true. But we hoped that... Like year was looking up, and yes, and and it's it still might, it still might. might. Uh, It is true that as we uh, record this, uh, yesterday there was an attempted coup about a mile from my apartment. Jess has family in the D.C. area too, so that's I think what we're mostly alluding to in terms of the fact that everything still feels very complicated. Many of you know that since we recorded our last episode, uh, my sister died unexpectedly, which was also a terrible thing that happened. But that was 2020. So that's, you know, we're we're turning a corner. And I will say uh, on a personal note, that uh, was a terrible thing that happened. It continues to be terrible. However, uh, there has been a tremendous amount of support and love and good energy coming from a lot of people. And many of them are people who listen to this podcast. And it has meant a tremendous amount to me and my family. So thank you all for that. Also, I will tell you, I don't know if I've ever been as much as I always enjoy our conversations and talking about romance novels, Jess, I don't know if I've ever been as happy as I am right now here today to have the diversion of talking about books and especially this particular genre of books which it has occurred to me over the course of the last few weeks that as much as the happy ever after is really important in romance there's also something to be said for that middle part where everything is hard because Mm -hmm. when you are in that middle part where everything is hard it's nice to remember that there is a time when things get better and so i have appreciated romance authors and romance books and romance readers and the romance genre and our romance conversations as much as ever recently. So thank you for for being here to talk to me. And I think this might be our third anniversary. Oh my gosh, Trisha. I think you're right. How is that? I know. (laughs) Right? (laughs) How have we been doing this for three years? I think we have though. Just doing the math on the episode number, which is 74. I missed that part. Um, well, and then I jumped in be. and started like saying a lot of things. So, but yeah, I think it's right, right? Yeah, must be. Well, happy anniversary. 
Happy anniversary, Trisha. And to you. And I think we have some, I mean, obviously we couldn't, we've got some, some good uh, topical agenda items lined up, both uh, related to what's happening now and what we hope is going to happen in 2021. Mm-hmm. So I think we can jump into all of it, but maybe first we, we tackle our first ad spot of 20, well, I guess we did a pre-roll, our first <laughs> non-pre-roll ad spot of 2021. Yes, let's, shall we, so we can get that out of the way and move on. So thank you very much to Bookmarks, a customizable journal to record your reading life, for sponsoring this episode. Meet your new reading buddy, an all-in-one spot to record everything and anything book-related, inspired by book journaling, which I know a lot of us like to do. Bookmarks offers ideas for setting up a multitude of book tracking pages with a mix of fill-in prompts, charts, lists, and plenty of dot grid pages to customize. To help expand your literary horizons, the journal also includes a section of recommended reading lists compiled by Book Riot. Use bookmarks to jot down what you're currently reading, what's on your nightstand, your favorite quotes, new vocabulary words, memorable characters, your reviews of recent reads, and more. A clever bonus, the back flap has a punch-out bookmark. Go to bookriot.com slash bookmarks tracker for your copy. That's bookriot.com slash bookmarks tracker. Hooray. Hooray for Book Riot. Hooray for Book That's Riot. What I say. And hooray for book journals. I'm not very yeah. good at them, so I am I I I I tried. I tried so hard and I'm one of those people who will do something very religiously for a few months and then not do it again <laughs> ever. <Yeah>. But <laughs> they are for a lot of people. And there's something to be said about being gentle with yourself. Just mm-hmm. being, being compassionate with yourself and what you can and can't do. I think that's fair. And knowing what you can and can't do. I am, yes. however, really great at maintaining my spreadsheet. So yes, yeah, at least there's that. <laughs> Exactly. See, look at you celebrating the successes where you get them. <laughs> well done. Uh, all right. So I feel like so it's been four weeks since we recorded and probably the main romance news that has happened in that time is the release of the Netflix series Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, you have read the books. You have watched the entire series. I have watched most of the series, I planned to finish it, but uh, then again, things got a little complicated yesterday, and I watched a lot of CNN instead of finishing uh, Bridgerton. But mm-hmm. um, I am most of the way through, so we want to talk through some of it and some of the cultural context of it. I'm going to let you take the lead here, Jess, because as discussed, you are you are ahead of me on this one. Okay, I can do that. Well, for those of you who might not know or might only have a picked up a little bit on it and haven't yet watched the show. Bridgerton is the first project um, between Shonda Rhimes' Shondaland Studios and Netflix. And it is based on the Bridgerton family series by Julia Quinn. The first book is The Duke and I, and the majority of the romantic arc in the first season of the show, which we do not have a confirmation for renewal, but it's Shondaland, so... Like, I don't know they how, are, how I, they could. I would could bet not. my next paycheck that they are going to renew that series. <laughs> they, but they anyway, must. sorry. But anyway, of course, inter, intercede as you must. Um, you. So the Duke and I is the main romantic arc of the first plot of the first season. But since television is a much more different animal than romance novels themselves or even film like a a movie a feature length mm-hmm. film they could do a lot more with the story as it goes along so this is an eight episode uh season that is, i think the episodes are almost exactly an hour maybe a little yeah, shorter they're all about an hour mm-hmm. and so we we get introduced to the entire bridgerton family there are eight siblings they are named alphabetically which Indeed. Amazing. Um, I think I actually named them for my husband at one point 
because he actually sat down and watched the whole thing with me. Like he was like, "All right, let's let's just keep playing the episodes." Aww, um because nice. eventually you you get kind of in like what's going to happen even if you've read the books, the additional yeah. plot lines and elements that they throw in um keep your interest. And of course, it's a beautiful show. The costumes, the sets, the people, it's all gorgeous. It's um, a Regency era romance series. So you'll be seeing a lot of early 1800s kind of costumery and scenery. One of the main uh, side characters is Queen Charlotte, who isn't really... Uh, seen a lot in Regency romance. Like, I don't... Have you, like... I I did not know she existed, to be honest with you. I know... I just didn't... I mean, and to be fair, I... It took me a long time to realize that Regency was named after King George, for reasons (laughs) that you probably understand better than I do. But yeah, you you hear about Victoria. Mm -hmm. You don't hear about I feel like anyone else, really. Yeah, like a lot of people are like, okay, so there was crazy King George. Um, King George, who was the person who set off the American Revolution, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, some people's favorite song in Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Victoria, and people are like, there's obviously nobody between that, right? Um, but even when, it, if you watch the show, you know that even when King George was towards the end of his life, sort of unable to rule when there when the prince regent was involved, which is the regency uh, word, that uh, Queen Charlotte was around. And there have been theories for years that Queen Charlotte was not all white, even if you look at portraits of her. It's like, eh. Um, but one of the things that Bridgerton, the people in charge of Bridgerton from the start decided to do was make it a mixed race cast and cast a black woman as Queen Charlotte. And she kind of looks a lot like the, the like Royal portrait of her, which is interesting. Um, but that is one of the big things that set off conversation from the minute the cast was announced several months ago. Um, there was, there were two things you heard when the cast was announced Big excitement over Nicola Coughlin being cast as Penelope Featherington, who is a a fan favorite among Julia Quinn. And Nicola Coughlin is a fan favorite among anyone who's watched Dairy Girls. And I got to say, if you have it, you should watch it. It's really great. Um, Well, I will now because she's delightful in Bridgerton. I actually didn't realize that crossover. So that's cool. Yeah, she's she's great. Um, That whole show is great. But anyway, so there was that. And why there are brown people in this show. And A, it's it's Shonda Rhimes. I, I kind of yeah. sort of expected there to be some sort of interesting casting choices. Um, but then when you're actually watching the show, you're not completely certain if these are actual black people or if they are. If it's sort of like your your good Shakespeare, where it's like everybody's just people, um, and then there's an actual reference to the fact that they are supposed to be black um, in mm-hmm. in the middle of the season. I don't know, you, Trisha, you got through episode six. Do you remember that happening? Yeah, it was like episode four. It's a okay. very 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 brief conversation that happens between Simon the Duke and. A woman who I thought was his aunt, but it sounds like was actually his uh, Lady Dansbury, who is uh, his late mother's good friend. Anyway, mm-hmm. she kind of says, you know, we have this opportunity because the king fell in love with a black woman. And um, but yeah, so it's it's a it's like one scene. It happens fairly quickly. It's a uh, but very it, it light sprinkling. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And it is made very clear that it is intentional so that is yeah for sure true yes and i feel like it just to set the table a little bit for this first season it seems like it is primarily about again simon who is the duke in question uh and it's 
Hastings, I think. Duke mm-hmm. of Hastings. Duke of Hastings. And this woman, Daphne Bridgerton, who she is D, which means ABCD. She is the fourth youngest, but she is the oldest daughter of the Bridgerton family. And she uh, has to find a spouse. And she is in the very beginning of the very first episode, kind of deigned by the queen as being the uh, exceptional young woman of the season. There's a word for it. Do you remember what they call her? Uh, the diamond? Something like that, yeah. So anyway, they're like, oh, you know, she's the one. The queen is like, oh, this is our biggest deal of of this season. Mm-hmm. And um, they, by the end of the first episode, very much realize that, guess what? They don't like each other yet. <laughs> uh, and so they, the, you know, Simon the Duke is sort of like, I don't want to have to deal with all these mothers trying to pawn their daughters off on me. You want to bu- get a bunch of, you know, suitors. I can make them jealous by pretending to court you and you can keep me from having to deal with all of these, you know, young women who are trying to land a husband. And so this like we will create this sort of fake relationship situation. And as you can imagine, it doesn't go quite as they have planned. But that is kind of I I don't know, maybe you would say other things, Jess, but I feel like that's kind of the premise of the main couple in this first season. Yes. And it's interesting. It's been probably almost a decade since I read the Bridgerton books and I read them all in very quick sequence and had to, you know, remind myself of everything that was happening here (laughs) because there have probably been at least five or six hundred books, if not more, since then um, going into my head. So I kind of, I didn't reread the book. I know a lot of people decided to reread the whole series in preparation for the, the show, which mad props to you. I salute you, but you know, I'm not a rereader anyway. Um, so coming upon this and realizing it was a hate to love fake relationship story. (laughs) I was like, sure. Perfect. Perfect. Um, uh, huh. Might be a reason that one's stuck in your head. Well, let me, so let me ask. So I think for folks who are looking, I think the first book is called The Duke and I. It's by Julia Quinn. Mm -hmm. Um, What did you think of this, Jess? I got to say that I enjoyed watching it, but as has come up in the discourse, especially among uh, Black women, especially, and other people of color and people who aren't straight and all of that this the show has some flaws the book has some flaws and there were some changes made based on one very specific scene um from the book to the show but there was still an element of the occurrence that happened and I don't think we can get through without talking about it. So I guess I'm going to say, spoiler alert right now, if you don't want to hear about it, skip ahead a bit. Um, So the first thing I noticed as I was watching was, great, there is a vast array of Black characters here. And before we got to episode four, when they actually established themselves as people of African descent living in 19th century England. It was kind of like, I love looking at this nice cast. But then as it moved along and I sort of pinpointed each of the Black characters, sort of watching their situations brought down my enjoyment. And then episode six, which Trisha has gotten through, so I think we can talk about it a little bit, involves a scene in which Daphne, after she and Simon have gotten married, um, sexually assaults her husband. And I know that there have been a lot of conversation about co- the terms consent and sexual sexual assault. If someone's saying, wait, get off me, or has made a decision not to do something, and you make a decision that they're going to do something, that's assault. Um, And the fact that it was a Black male character that it was happening to sort of brought down my enjoyment, and I watched the rest of the season with kind of like a sour taste in my mouth and half an eye for it. I didn't completely checked out, but I finished the season to finish the season. And uh, then looking at the other Black characters, you've got Marina, who 
is already pregnant and uh, is dealing with a hostile environment, basically, where she has to live because she can't go anywhere else. The other characters are more to the side, but even Queen Charlotte, who is the most powerful person in the show, if George isn't there, um, still has to deal with being verbally assaulted by her husband when he's present. And uh, the former Duke of Hastings, who I guess must be the first Duke of Hastings because he was granted a dukedom by the Black Queen, is this like terrible human being whose only goal is to continue the ducal line because they have to and is terrible to his child and then simon is terrible back (laughs) i guess and you know it's just like these are these are the black characters and i am watching them and rooting for them because this is a show that i want to enjoy and i want to enjoy all of the experiences. I'm not just saying that I'm watching it for the black people, but as a black person, I sort of noticed how all of their experiences lined up into a lot of the bad things that are happening to people in this show are happening to black people who are actually black, not just race blind casting. So all all of that to say, this was a very well done show. And I'm glad that I watched it, and I hope it continues, and I hope it actually hits that 63 million people or households that Netflix is projecting for its first month first month of airing. Um, but it definitely has significant flaws, and there are people who have decided not to watch the show because of those flaws, and that's completely understandable. Yeah, I think... I think I am enjoying it. I, like you said, I, I'm through six and into seven. And so I'm, you know, majority of the way through the show. I like it. I am not maybe not as drawn into it. I, I've noticed some of the sort of complicated racial pieces as well. Obviously, my perspective on them is is less informed. Um, but I've noticed a lot of that. Marina, as you mentioned, is just like a really interesting character and has a lot of responsibility and burden and makes some decisions where you think like, I don't know about that. But also you're a person who is in a very precarious situation. And so I kind of get it. Mm -hmm. I will say, I think one of the observations that I made about this show and one of the things that for me makes it a little bit different than Virgin River or Outlander, uh, which are probably the two most notorious, I don't whatever you would want to call it, uh, romance series that I've seen so far. And I understand that people do not consider Outlander necessarily a romance. I think the first book in Outlander is absolutely a romance. Mm -hmm. I think as the series goes on, maybe it's not, but whatever, fine. (laughs) I think one of the things that's a little bit different is that as many of you, probably all of you, who, if you're listening to this podcast, know a romance has to sit by itself having a happily ever after for a central couple. The mm-hmm. thing that makes romance series different from a lot of other series is that each book tends to focus on different characters who each have their own contained story in one book. Mm-hmm. So if you think back to Virgin River, that series, and I've only seen the first season of the of the series on Netflix, but there is not, in the same way that in the first book of Virgin River, there is a happy ever after for um, Jack and Mel in that book. That doesn't happen in the series. Mm-hmm. Like, I think probably eventually it will, but it doesn't happen after the first season in the same way that it, spoilers again, be ready, everybody, that it is going to happen for the characters in Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. I think in Outlander, because it focuses on the same couple, throughout there it it kind of puts a different plot twist on things i think part of the issue with bridgerton is that in order to sustain an eight episode hour-long story they have to put 
a fair amount of emphasis on secondary and supporting characters. Mm -hmm. But they can't take enough of the emphasis off of the main characters to make you feel like you don't have that core couple and that happy ever after, which for me makes it feel just a little bit less satisfying across the board. Mm -hmm. Like there's almost a little bit, not quite enough focus on the main characters to really feel invested in their story, but there's also not quite enough emphasis on the secondary characters to make me feel like I'm getting what I want from them. Like, uh, Eloise, Daphne's sister, is to me, at this point, maybe the most compelling character in this Mm -hmm. series in terms of the fact that she does not want to get married. She does not feel like she fits into any of this. She's funny. She's great. But I also know that probably if I want to see what her story looks like, I have to wait however many seasons. I don't know, four or five, however many. I think it's four. No. Okay. Yeah. Three or four. Yeah, like, I have to wait that long. I, I'm not that interested in the older brothers. Like, you get a little bit of a snippet of all of them. But again, not quite enough to really feel like to me, it was just kind of unsatisfying on every level because it tried to be all things to multiple people, I felt mm-hmm. like. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's good. I'm really glad that it exists. I actually really, really appreciate that it is much more racially diverse than certainly Outlander. Virgin River, I think, did an okay job, but this is a better job. And, you know, I think probably if you looked behind the camera, you'd see a lot more diversity than we probably are seeing in a lot of other series. Mm. But it's it's kind of, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm willing to wait four seasons to get the kind of focus that I want on the characters that I'm interested in. Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. And honestly, I don't know what they're going for with this. If they plan on plotting out the entire Bridgerton book series, because like the two youngest got their own romances as adults, and they're still basically in leading strings. They're very small. So Which I didn't even know what that meant. But they talk about it a lot in this show. Which I think just means they're children. Yeah. So. Um, so I don't know, like, if there if there's going to be a big time jump, or like, if they're just planning to do a few seasons with the older, more compelling people, if they're going to like, squeeze in multiple romances, multiple romantic arcs at the same time, who knows. Um, but I, it's totally true. And sometimes it felt like Lady Whistledown really was the star of this of this show, like a lot of people have compared it to Gossip Girl, which I've never seen, but it seems like it's more of an ensemble cast with the Gossip Girl thing happening. And yeah, this show felt the way that they built it out felt a lot like that. And Lady Whistledown, for folks who are unfamiliar, is this uh, sort of mysterious person writing under a pseudonym, writing a newsletter. Uh, about all of the gossip she knows all of the gossip uh, all of it. i have just learned that she knows all all of it um amongst the the ton and kind of it it drives the plot that everyone from the queen up until or you know down across to the servants is just incredibly captivated by what all of this uh you know gossip newsletter is saying so and voiced by julie andrews which is delightful mm-hmm. so the only other thing that I will say, uh, and again, getting back to that, you know, assault that happens is this is in no way an excuse or an explanation or or anything. I will say having read about that scene and what happens long before I had actually seen what happened, there is some context that I think adds layers to it again not an excuse if somebody says wait wait stop you need like that and you don't stop that is an assault 100 that i'm absolutely not in any way trying to excuse that behavior i also though i i didn't understand until i was watching this show the extent to which young women at this time had no idea mm-hmm it had no information about sex. And granted, this is a fictionalization, but I think there's there's some truth to that to the extent that when they find out that someone is is pregnant, they don't understand how it happened. Like they legitimately, like someone says, oh, well, it was cake. And <laughs> someone says, wait, cake. like they literally, they literally these women think. who are young adults 
think they could become pregnant from cake mm-hmm. for a second until it's clarified. But it's, there's, I mean, Daphne even is married on her honeymoon and still doesn't understand until she has a conversation with her maid how she could get pregnant. Like, mm-hmm. she does not have a concept for it, which, again, is none of this is is in any way excusing terrible behavior. Uh, but there is, it's, and I'm not going to say it's not as straightforward because I think it is straightforward that this is an assault. I think what is happening around it has more nuance to it than I had anticipated. And so I'm not saying that if, if it makes anyone uncomfortable, you should watch it anyway. I absolutely don't mean that at all. My only kind of thought about it is that I was... I, it did seem like there was there were more layers to it than I anticipated when I was reading about it. Because when you read about it, you think like, how on earth is our happy ever after for two people when this happens? Mm-hmm. I think I have a better understanding of how that could be the case. I mean, it's it's a a, a clear kind of older established version with a lot more messed up consequences of the big misunderstanding, right? Capital B, capital M, big misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. If someone had just sat down and talked about something, maybe none of this would have happened, but nobody did, and so this happened. Um, Right, right. So, And nobody ever deserves to have this happen to them in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely not. Also, and also, there was, I mean, Simon was not entirely straightforward or honest and again, that does not mean somebody being dishonest does not mean they should be assaulted. Nobody should ever be assaulted for any reason, to be clear. But if you are thinking about the larger relationship between these two people, that is a piece of the context as well. Again, it is not an excuse. It's not even an explanation. It is just a larger piece of the context of what happened, I think, between these two characters. And it is, I think, I mean, it's, I think it's kind of discussion worthy to kind of see all of the pieces of this while acknowledging that what happened between these two characters was assault. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Other thoughts about Bridgerton, Jess? I mean, I am very curious about how this show is going forward. I'm really hoping that somebody somewhere figures out how to help me distinguish between when Anthony is on screen and when Benedict is on screen. I finally managed to identify Colin, but still sometimes. I think it's, like, it's the sideburns. Which one is? I like. Anthony has much sharper sideburns. Okay. I, much I sharper, will take more that. triangular sideburns. I think it's the sideburns. I'm going to find, I'm going to find some screenshots for you and send okay. them away. Because sometimes it's obvious, right? Like the art or I honestly don't know which of them is having a relationship with a person that is very surprising by the end of the season. Um, I really I honestly don't. So if if you can tell me, I'll Mm -hmm. take it. Um, But in general, I am looking forward to seeing how they further build the world, how they introduce new characters, because there are a lot of people that they're going to have to introduce and hopefully, you know, give us more people who are Black and other people of color who do not have tragic backstories and tragic future stories. That would be amazing. I would really greatly appreciate that if anybody's listening out there. Um, and, you know, I look forward to the slight changes in costumes as we move forward in time. Indeed. And I'm going to check into those sideburns. I'm going to let you know. (laughs) Uh, but we would love to hear what all of you are thinking about Bridgerton, uh, in favor of, against, confused by, uh, the soundtrack is kind of amazing. It's a lot of like pop hits done over string orchestra or quartets so that is Mm -hmm. in and of itself worth checking out um but anyway do let us know we are interested and we can talk more about it if if you all have more things to say or think about it so uh so that is bridgerton
there it is. There it is. And before we uh, move on to talking a little bit more about 2021, we would like to thank Flatiron Books, publisher of The Flatshire by Beth O'Leary for sponsoring the podcast. What if your roommate is your soulmate? A joyful, quirky romantic comedy, Beth O'Leary's The Flatshare is a feel-good novel about finding love in the most unexpected of ways. After a bad breakup, Tiffy Moore needs a place to live. Desperation makes her open-minded, so she answers an ad for a flatshare. Leon, a night shift worker, will take the apartment during the day, and Tiffy can have it nights and weekends. In fact, they never even have to meet. Tiffy and Leon start writing each other notes. Even though they are opposites, they soon become friends, and then maybe more. So if the flat share has been on your radar, uh, you should know it has been on mine too for many, many months and actually well over a year. I was thinking about it. I think maybe the first time I heard about this book was when Sarah Wendell was on our show in, I think, June of 2019. Uh, Mm. She mentioned loving it, Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And uh, so this one has been on my radar for a really long time. I think maybe now that it's out in paperback, it might be time to actually to actually go into it. Uh, so so yeah so uh it's it's one that if you've been waiting for now may be the time that is uh the flat share by beth o'leary thanks to uh the book and to flat iron books who is the publisher for sponsoring this episode of when in romance absolutely all right jess how are you feeling about 2021 i am feeling in in a bookish way let's 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 qualify that a little bit as far as books go I am feeling very excited about 2021. Um, there are some books that I think might, and I'm pretty sure up through June at least, that I know when books are coming out, or at least Goodreads thinks it knows when books are coming out. I don't know. Um, so we've got a pretty nice crop of things. And I follow a lot of authors that just sort of drop things on you. So I'm I'm feeling kind of hopeful about just the whole book industry all around. All right. Well, we talked about maybe telling folks, because I feel the same way. We talked about maybe telling folks a couple of books that we're excited about, one book that we maybe hope comes out or one author that we hope releases a book this year. Tell me what you want to see in 2021 or tell me what you're excited to see in 2021. I'll tell you one book that I am super excited about everyone else reading because I definitely read it on the first weekend of the year um, is Act Your Age, Eve Brown, which is the third book in Talia Hibbert's Brown Sisters series. It comes out in March and it is about the youngest Brown sister who is sort of the one who doesn't have her stuff all together. And after kind of an ultimatum from her parents. She ends up just sort of driving away and ends up in a random town hundreds of, well, not maybe not hundreds. I don't know how big England is. A long Ooh, ways away from home. <laughs> um, and ends up becoming a chef for a bed and breakfast, which has a very grumpy owner. Um, and... Uh, I am so excited for everyone else to read this book because I want you to be as delighted for it as I am. And uh, I know like 25 minutes ago, I said I didn't reread books, but this one might be one of those that I pick up again at some point. Wow. They should put that on the cover. Because (laughs) I know how you feel about rereading books. You should be blurbing that book. It's it was so entertaining. I just devoured it. And because I devoured it, I'm sure there are parts that I need to remind myself of because they go by very quickly. Um oh. but it's just it's it, all of her books just get better and better. So I keep saying that this couple is my favorite, but I think even Jacob might actually be my favorite. Oh. Hooray. Hooray. Well, in keeping with the theme of authors that we talk about all the time in series that we clearly love and we've talked about also a ton, I would be lying if I said one of my most anticipated books of the series of the year was not In Sense and Sensibility by Sonali Dev. Uh, it is the third book in the Rajay series, um, which is the 
Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors, and Recipe for Persuasion series. I've talked about recipe for – I've talked about both of those books a ton. Recipe for Persuasion is, is one of my absolute favorite books of last year. And this is the book where we finally get uh, Yash. And by finally, I mean we're only three books in. Patient, <laughs> Trisha, you're better than this. But also, he is running for governor of California. So there's like kind of this political thing. Um, he actually, from the beginning, he's had this significant other that – it seems like a little complicated because they'll be like, oh, is this person coming? And it seemed like one of those kind of political relationships where she shows up once in a while, but it's not that big of a deal. And who knows? And mm-hmm. anyway, uh, the woman who is the other main character in this book um, is India Dashwood, which probably the last name Dashwood means something to you if you are familiar with uh, Sense <laughs> and Sensibility. Uh, and she is, I believe, a friend of Trisha's from not my, not me, Trisha, uh, Trisha from, <laughs> or from Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors. And so she, so you've seen her a little bit in the other books. He, there's just a lot going on here. And there's, yeah, there's, I don't want to like get too much into it. I will say I am very, very excited to continue to read this series. Uh, Sonali Dev is absolutely a person whose books are not light. They are very heavy. They're very soapy. They're very dramatic. But to me, that always just means that there is a lot more payoff in the happy ever after. So Incense and Sensibility comes out in July. Pre-order it now. Your July self will be thrilled. And I assume, I don't know, I haven't read it yet, but I'm excited to. Maybe there's, (laughs) maybe I'll have to email somebody and see if I can read it now. Uh, But yes, Incense and Sensibility, one of my books I'm excited about in 2021. Um. I don't think it will surprise any person on this planet that I am very excited about Alyssa Cole's next book, uh, How to Find a Princess. And it is a light-ish retelling of the DreamWorks Anastasia story, which is one of my favorite things to find. I think I've found three of those so far. Um, but this is the first one that's a romance. So like a, a, a genre romance, romance novel. So I'm really excited. And it's Lisa Cole. And it's her first full length book in her um, Royals universe that features a um, queer couple. Um, These two are, the two main characters are both women. And it's just, there are all kinds of things going into this book that I'm really excited about. Um, I have to admit, I haven't actually finished How to Catch a Queen yet. Um, I started listening to it when I was still driving places. And haven't yet picked up the print version because I am not going to be driving places for a while. Um, So I have a little time to, I'm glad that I have a little time to um, get through that before How to Find a Princess, which is the second book in the Runaway Royals series, which is the spinoff to the Reluctant Royals series. I don't know much about it besides the fact that there is a woman who, um, has grown up normally and doesn't know that she has basically inherited a kingdom and the person who works for a royal group um, coming to find her and then it turns into a road trip novel. So, I mean, that sounds like Anastasia, right? So Basically, yeah. So, um... I'm really excited about seeing how Alyssa plays that story out. I think uh, if you are a person who is utterly shocked by the fact that Jess is excited about books by Talia Hibbert and Alyssa Cole in 2021, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. We are happy to have you. We're so glad you're joining us here. Uh, The other, so I, one of, I'm the person that told Jess uh, we should have a a segment too on books that we hope or authors that we hope will release new books in 2021 because the author that I have been hoping no author owes any reader anything. Let's be very clear about that. But (laughs) 
an author who I have been excited to read more from is Anna Zabo. Uh, and their Twisted Wishes series is, is one that has been a favorite of mine for the last couple of years. And so I told Jess, we should talk about authors who we hope release new books. She said, basically hoping that Anna Zabo releases a new book any day now. Good news. I recently <laughs> found out when reading uh, their blog that Anna Zabo actually is planning on releasing a book called Cinnamon Roll uh, in April. It's going to be, uh, I think they're going to tell us a little bit more about it in January. It's a male, male, um, pretty kinky, lowish on angst. I'm reading from their newsletter from, sorry, from their blog now. It's an MM romance that's pretty kinky, lowish on angst for me and has quite a lot of sex, which basically sounds like exactly what we know and love from Anna Zabo. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a kind of twist on a second chance romance. The guys in question have orbited each other for years. Um, So... I don't know. I am just delighted to see that they are releasing uh, a new book this year. I will be pre-ordering it as soon as it's available to pre-order. Um, so excited about that one. Uh, so keep an eye out. If, if we can find a link for it, I will link to it. But keep an eye out for Cinnamon Roll by Anna Zabo coming, we think, in, in 2021. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Also, if you have... If you need to scratch that itch just a tiny bit because it's not very long and you haven't read Weave the Dark, Weave the Light, it's a kind of precious but also very Zabo-y um, solstice novella. So <laughs> it, it, Zabo is just the best. Just the like, best. I just, I just want them to write all the books. But again, nobody owes anybody anything. But we are always delighted when they decide to give us more. Yes. Yes. All right. What do you hope comes out in 2021, Jess? So this will probably also not be a surprise to anyone, but I hope that we get more of Rebecca Weatherspoon's Loose Ends universe. Um, Loose Ends is the... uh, the name that you see in the title parentheses in Rafe and Zenny. Um, and I don't know who else might need to uh, fall in love, but I'm sort of hoping that we just get to come into the world of the characters in the Loose Ends slash Fit world, because I love them a lot. And I know that Rebecca um, is working on her Kensington a book but you never know you never do know you never know you never know i will say also uh having been deeply immersed in the bridgerton series recently has reminded me of probably my two favorite historical romance authors are courtney milan and tessa dare and courtney milan has uh actually did put some books out in 2020. Again, no author owes anyone anything, but um, we were very, very grateful to have uh, books that we have talked about many times, so we won't go back into those. But <laughs> The Bride Bet by Tessa Dare is the last book in her Girl Meets Duke series. It was supposed to come out last year, and then it was supposed to come out, I think, in February of this year. And just because of public publishing schedules and a variety of complicated things, uh, it seems like it may... Mayor, I hope it comes out this year. We're not sure. The new mm-hmm. date was something a little bananas like 2024. And she had to go on social media and say like, okay, listen, it's not 2024. That's just what they put when we don't know what the date is. Like, settle mm-hmm. down, everyone. Be cool. <laughs> um, but I I do so appreciate Tessa Dare's writing and her humor and the way that she writes historical romance very much fits with what I like to read in historical romance. And uh the Bride Bet, I hope, will be out this year. If it's not, that's okay. I'll read it when it is. Um, but I hope that that, that, that story, Nicola, Nicola deserves a, a happy ending. And I hope she gets it sooner rather than later. So yeah. we'll see. We'll hopefully, we'll, you know, it'll be a year from now and we'll be talking about how much we liked the new Rebecca Weatherspoon and, and Tessa Dare books. But, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of great romance out there. So one way or another, I think I think we'll have a happy 2021. I think we will. And you just reminded me that I'm also really excited about Courtney Milan has given us a date and said that the next Worth Saga book is coming out. And it's her first one that's going to be set in China. And 
I'm just I, I can't I can't remember the name of it, but we'll find it and put it in the show notes. It will um, be there. And that one's coming out this year, and I am very excited for it. So see, look at that. We've come full circle. It's been a little bit of a rough. It was a, it was a really rough 2020. It was a rough end of 2020. It was a bit of a rough beginning to 2021. But we hope springs eternal, Jess. Here yes, on the Win and Romance podcast, hope springs eternal. So we are thankful for all of you. Thank you for celebrating our, our third anniversary with us. Uh, we're happy to be here. We are indeed. Um, and we will we will leave it there. So huge thanks to Dr. Baker uh, for the sound editing. They are subbing in uh, for Jen again this episode. So thanks so much uh, for that and for for editing out all of our pauses and coughs and bumps and whatnot. <laughs> um, we are very happy to talk with you. Please do tell us what you're thinking about Bridgerton because I've been thinking a lot about it since I've been watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jess has as well. Uh, so you can find us as always in when in romance at bookriot.com for over email. And if you want to find us on social, you can find me on Twitter at Jess is reading all one word or on Instagram at just underscore is underscore reading. And I'm at Trisha Haley Brown on both. I tend to be on Instagram more. So uh, for whatever that's worth, please do rate and review the podcast. Let us know what you're thinking there as well so that other folks can find it. And I don't know, Jess, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us what y'all are excited to read this year. Oh, yeah. Yes, we want to know that, too. I I got back. Yeah, I got deeply back immersed in Bridgerton. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, you know that Jess and I have our favorite authors and we're excited to to hear from them. But, yeah, we'd love to hear both the the big name stuff we didn't mention. And also, uh, if you have some of your favorite, you know, lesser known and indie authors, we'd love to to give them a shout out as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, honestly, let's see how it goes. We may be doing another version of this same episode in two weeks. We might be talking more about Bridgerton, more about stuff we're excited about in 2021. And honestly, I feel like that'd be a pretty good use of all of our time. Indeed it would. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We're excited to be here with you. We are always excited to talk about books. And I am always excited to talk about books with you, especially, Trisha. Aw, same. So in the meantime, if you're reading... Happy reading. Happy New Year. Happy reading. <laughs>